Section 26 of From the Latchkey of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy at Play. From the Latchkey of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Bupre Miller. The World's Great Epics. An epic is an heroic narrative, sometimes in prose, but most often in poetry. Treating in a heroic style a theme of heroic proportions, its unity generally consists in the fact that all incidents are grouped about one central hero. As the folk tales reflect the commonplace, homely, everyday life of the various nations and peoples, so their highest, loftiest, noblest, most steering, and deeply moving thoughts have been expressed in their long, epic poems. These were told and sung by wandering bards in hall and castle from generation to generation, until at last some poet appeared of sufficient genius to write down the tale and give it permanent form in the peculiar style and rhythm of his own country in these massive old epics with their splendid seriousness and dignity their enormous breadth of canvas the rousing steer of activity and the frequent rise of their lines into passages of great and lofty beauty we find the finest literature of each country and in retelling stories from the epics somewhat at least of this heroic style should always be preserved too frequently turning the mere story of epics into prose has robbed the tale of all that enormous and splendid spirit that gave it its real life and beauty greek epics the iliad and odyssey the greatest of all the world's epics the iliad and odyssey are attributed to homer who is said to have lived between ten thousand fifty and eight hundred fifty b c ever since the second century b c however the question whether homer was the originator of these poems or whether he merely recited verses already in existence has been hotly disputed a bit and is probable that the iliad was inspired by or at least based upon previous poems for centuries the iliad and the odyssey were publicly recited at gatherings of the greek people beneath the classic shadows of the acropolis at athens in the stately marble porticos of greek dwellings on the dappled lawns of temple groves overlooking the blue aegean their splendid flowing lines with their dignity and simplicity have come down through the ages as the finest embodiment of greek thought and spirit in existence well worthy the race whose chief gift to humanity was the revelation of the gospel of beauty the iliad or achilliad relates the happenings of some fifty days in the ninth year of the trojan war and the story all centre about the hero achilles the odyssey is the story of ulysses or odysseus as he is called in the greek after the fall of troy and tells the story of his long ten years of wandering and his final arrival home latin epics the aeneid the greatest latin epic is the aeneid written by virgil in the first century a d 
it sings the wanderings of aeneas the trojan the heroic ancestor of the romans after he has escaped from the burning ruins of troy since roman literature was founded entirely on the greek the aeneid is very closely akin in style and spirit to the iliad and odyssey persian epics the shah nameh next in antiquity to the greek epics is the persian the shah nameh or book of kings which was composed by the poet abu kazin mansur about nine hundred twenty b c Abu Kasin sang so sweetly that his master, the Shah, termed him Firdusi, or Singer of Paradise, by which name he is best known to the world. Mahmud, Shah of Persia, who lived about 920 BC, decided to have the chronicles of his land put into rhyme and engaged Firdusi for this piece of work, promising him a thousand gold pieces for every thousand couplets he finished now Ferdusi had long wished to build a stone embankment for the river whose overflow devastated his native town so he begged the king to withhold payment for the poem until the work was done believing that the reward would then be so great that he could build the dike but when the poem was completed at the end of thirty-three years the grand vizier counted its sixty thousand couplets and decided that sixty thousand pieces of gold was too enormous an amount of money to part with so he sent instead sixty thousand small pieces of silver on receiving so inadequate a reward for his long years of labor ferdusi became justly indignant distributed the money contemptuously among its bearers wrote a poem stating in plain and not too complimentary terms what he thought of the shah and then fled from the land it was not until after ferdusi's death that the shah discovered the trickery of his minister and sent the sixty thousand pieces of gold as the poet's daughter refused to accept this tardy atonement another relative took the money and built the dike which ferdusi had so longed to see although the poem of ferdusi claims to be a complete history of persia it contains so many marvels so many battles of the kings with thieves or devils the persian personification of evil and is so involved and confused in incident that were it not for its wonderful beauty of style and diction it would scarcely have survived the best stories in the shahnameh are those dealing with rustan son of the white-haired zal and these are full of persian flavor of gardens and roses and nightingales east indian epics mahabharata and ramayana following the persian we have the two great east indian sacred epics the mahabharata and the ramayana the ramayana was composed in sanskrit some five hundred years before christ and is a strange mixture of the wildest most preposterous legends with the truest and deepest philosophy it relates events which are said to have occurred between two thousand and nine hundred b c the poem is generally attributed to valmiki a hermit who dwelt on the bank of the ganges one day it chanced that valmiki saw one bird of a happy pair slain and he made use of so strange and expressive a metre in singing the pity stirred in his heart at the sight that the god brahma the one supreme god of the hindus 
immediately bade him employ the same meter in narrating the adventures of Rama. Now Rama is supposed to be one of the seven appearances in the flesh of the god Vishnu, the personification of the preserving principle among the Hindus who to protect the right and punish vice and wickedness in various epochs of danger appeared on earth in bodily form. Vishnu it is who at length will destroy all evil and restore mankind to virtue and purity. The foes of Rama in the Ramayana are the evil spirits by which Hindu mythology symbolized evil. Like Shaname, this poem is very long and involved as a whole, but out of it come many passages of the loftiest beauty, descriptions of nature that breathe the very heart of the tropical jungle, passages of the finest feeling, as for example, the one where Sita refuses to leave her husband in his exile, its conception of the character of the young Rama too, his love for his brothers, his devotion to his father, his modesty and humility, his control of his passions, his unfailing courtesy to his brother's mothers, his devotion to his people, his tenderness for his wife, his steadfastness to his word, is one of remarkable beauty. Reading of this poem and frequent re-reading of it is regarded as a sacred duty by the Hindu. The Ramayana is his Bible. Finnish Epics The Kalevala Turning now from the Orient to Europe, the oldest epic to claim attention is probably the Finnish Kalevala, Land of Heroes, one of the four greatest national epics of the world. Although the Kalevala was not written down until the first half of the 19th century, when Topilius and Lonrot painstakingly took it from the mouths of the people and rescued it from oblivion, it incorporates within it poems that doubtless date back some 3,000 years into Finnish antiquity. The Kalevala relates the every varying contests between the Finns and Laplanders, light and darkness, good and evil the Finns signifying light and good, the Laplanders darkness and evil. The story itself is both intricate and confused with a great multiplicity of events and characters. The chief and remarkable beauty of the poem is in its wonderful rhythm, its splendid flights of imagination, and its occasional passages of high spiritual beauty, where through the mist and confusion of primitive man's mythology, has penetrated a really inspired glimpse of the One Father, such, for example, as the prayers to Uko. The poet who sang the song somewhere in the dim past says, Nature was my only teacher, woods and waters my instructors. And certainly, the rhythm of the poem does ring and trip and ripple with the fairy spirit of the winds and waves and woodlands. And any retelling of this fine old epic, which fails to give some conception of the unique beauty of the rhythm and its finest, most imaginative and beautiful passages, by no means does it justice, since the mere story of the Kalevala has nothing of remarkable beauty to commend it. It is the way it is told and the thoughts that have been engrafted into it, which make it so wonderfully beautiful. Longfellow copied the strange rhythm of Kalevala, its alliterative use of words and its delightful repetitions, very exactly and perfectly in Hiawatha.
Norse and German Epics Valsunga Saga, Firstjof Saga, Nibelungen Lied Norse literature has some very famous epics. The best known of these is the Valsunga Saga, the tale of Sigurd and Sigmund, descendants of Valsung. It tells the famous story how Sigurd slew the dragon Fafnir and how he broke through the ring of fire to rescue Birnhild the Valkyr from her long doom of sleep. The Volsunga Saga is also the source of the most famous German epic, the Nibelungen Lied, the story of the accursed golden horde of the Nibelungs or dwarves that brought such woe to Siegfried, the German Sigurd, and all who claimed it. But a more beautiful, though less known, Norse epic is the saga of Frithjof, a story dearly beloved in Norway. English Epics Beowulf, The Arthurian Cycle, Robin Hood In English, our attention is first claimed by the Old English Beowulf which was doubtless composed before the Angles and Saxons left Europe and settled in Britain. Among the Angles and Saxons, the art of poetry was very generally cultivated, and the harp was passed around to all at feasts that every guest might play and sing. Besides this, there were professional poets called in Old English, scops or gleomen who either travelled from place to place or held permanent positions at the courts of chieftains or kings these poets set out to sing of real events but gradually they magnified the deeds of which they sang and as the true event on which the poem was founded receded into the past the hero came to be pictured as enormously greater and stronger than he actually was his deeds as infinitely more wonderful until he became a sort of demigod. Beowulf is held to have been a real person thus magnified, and stories about him arose among the Angles and Saxons in Europe in the 7th century AD. These poems were originally heathen, and to this fact is due the mingling of heathen and Christian elements in the epic as we have it, for it was brought by the Angles and Saxons to England gradually transformed as they became christian and written down at last by some northumberland monk though the scene of the poem is not england beowulf was a jeet and his home somewhere in the scandinavian peninsula while hrothgar was the king of the danes it is decidedly and thoroughly english in the social conditions it depicts the ideals it presents and the style in which it is written it has great dignity and true elevation of thought and the virtues which it exalts courage generosity magnanimity unselfishness justice and courtesy have always been particularly beloved in england like all old english poetry beowulf is not in metre the characteristic of old english verse was a line divided in the middle by a pause and marked by alliteration two words in the first half of the line beginning with the same letter as one word at least in the second half of the line as for example how deeds of daring were done by the athelings or it burned in his spirit to bid men build him a dwelling another interesting and marked characteristic of old english verse 
is the use of a phrase to imply a thing instead of the direct name for the thing which makes for a most lively descriptive style and lends an interesting variety to the whole thus the sea is the whale path or swan road the sword is the battle friend the harp is the pleasure wood armor is war gear a ship is a sea-goer etc in retelling the beowulf storytellers should aim to give some idea of this most interesting and very distinctive old english style the entire poem consists of two distinct stories the first how beowulf delivered herot from grendel and his mother and the second how beowulf years later delivered his own land from a dragon when henry the eighth at cromwell's suggestion suppressed the monasteries in england all the rich store of the libraries was scattered much wantonly destroyed and lost some of the finest pieces of old english literature were sold as old paper used to score candlesticks to rub boats or to wrap up grocers bundles it is a matter for which we may be very grateful that in this general destruction a single tenth-century manuscript of beowulf was preserved this was injured by fire in seventeen thirty one so that the edges of the parchment are frayed and charred and many words and letters have disappeared but the beowulf still remains as the finest monument of old english poetry and a most interesting revelation of old english thought and customs next to be noted in the story of the english epic is the arthurian cycle a number of epics or romances about king arthur the knights of the round table and the ladies of his court arthur probably was a really good and noble celtic king of britain in the early days of the saxon invasion but his original character was gradually transformed by story-tellers until by the end of the twelfth century he had to become merely an ideal king by means of whom chivalry could express its highest aims and ideals there were likewise german french welsh and many other versions of the arthurian tales the german version by wolfram von eschenbach the french by chretien de troyes the best known english version was by thomas mallory and all of these were written in prose tennyson's idols of the king are the arthurian legends still further idealized and put into poetry milton's paradise lost chaucer's tales and spencer's fairy queen are of course epics also but they are the compositions of the poets who wrote them not folk epics like the others the beloved robin hood story was compiled from some two score old english ballads of various dates some going as far back as the year fourteen hundred and all full of the folk spirit in presenting this tale to children it has always depended on how the story was told whether it was sound or unsound good or bad if robin hood is presented as a thief and a robber whom the child is invited to admire for his trickery and the ready use of his wit in questionable adventures it is bad but if he is presented as a true man of the sturdy and merry old english type a lover of liberty and justice 
who needs must be an outlaw in a period when the yi man had no rights at all and justice abode not in the courts and laws of the land it may be full of fine inspiration and feeling as well as the joy of the free and glorious life in the greenwood though the ballads themselves contain many questionable adventures which it is necessary to recognize and avoid no one can sympathetically read those old poems without loving their spirit and feeling that the innate love of the english people for honest honesty not conventional honesty for justice and freedom as well as the englishman's unquenchable love for merry humour were the inspiration of the original ballads and suggest the key in which to pitch any retelling of the same irish epics the cuhulin in ireland there were three great cycles of poetry sung by the old gaelic bards long years ago when ireland was still pagan and had her own irish gods these cycles consisted of scattered poems never put into one great whole and the finest and most irish of them all is the one dealing with cuculin or cuhulin and the knights of the red branch cuculin and his friends are historical characters seen as it were through mists of love and wonder magnified into their gigantic stature just as all art magnifies just as sculpture can create the gigantic statue of a man the large manner of this antique gaelic literature simply wipes out all littleness in its presence nothing small in the heart of man can stand before real sympathy with the enormous simplicity of this heroic tale of primitive irish life standish o'grady was the first irishman to reveal in a noble manner the greatness in this long-neglected bardic literature of ireland he himself had the soul of an ancient epic poet and as he carves out for us in sentences now charged with heroic energy now beautifully quiet and tender and always magnificently simple the enormous figures of the red branch we feel through and through that cohulian is indeed the true incarnation of gaelic chivalry its fire and gentleness its hardy purity of mind its largeness its modesty and simplicity through the pages of o'grady the ruddy chivalry of ireland passes huge and fleet and bright enormous images that loom as great as any among the epic heroes of the world french epics chanson de roland the national epic in france bears the characteristic name chanson de geste or song of deeds because the trouveurs the wandering singers in the north and the troubadours in the south wandered from castle to castle singing the deeds of their lords the greatest group or cycle of these chansons of which there were three dealt with charlemagne the great champion of christianity and his twelve faithful paladins or peers when it was composed is uncertain but the oldest copy now extant dates back to the twelfth century the song nevertheless is much older than this 
Like so many of the epics, it was based on historical fact, later magnified and altered. The entire poem is overhung and overshadowed by the dark and gloomy cloud of Ganelon's treachery, and no piece of literature in the world has more truly the feeling of the fearful ugliness of treachery than the Chanson de Roland. Spanish Epics The Cid in Spain, the great epic poem, as well as the oldest monument of Spanish literature, is the Poema del Cid, written about 1200 AD, a compilation from ballads already in existence, relating the story of Rodrigo Diaz de Bivar, called Campeador, or Champion, and Cid, or Chief. The Cid was born between 1030 and 1040 AD, and his heroic deeds were performed at a time when Christian kings were making special efforts to eject the Moors who had invaded Spain 300 years before. Although the character of the Cid is, to our minds, defaced on many occasions by ugly deeds far from ideal according to our standards today, still, the Cid's faults are largely results of the mistaken standards of his time and race, and in his virtues of kindliness, generosity, tenderness, courage, fidelity, he looms head and shoulders above the characters that surrounded him. Rarely has a man become the peculiar hero of a nation without some real virtues to commend him, and in the story of the Cid, nothing is more peculiarly his virtue than his devotion to his wife and daughters, which furnishes an incident well worth retelling. Chinese and Japanese Epics White Aster The Chinese story of the White Aster is scarcely an epic, but rather an idol or romantic tale. Nevertheless, it passes both in Japan and China for an epic. It is written in Chinese verse by Professor Inoue and has been rendered also in classical Japanese. End of section 26. Recording by Joy at Play.